it's the ABC's High School Teachers Really Need to Know, Season 2, Episode Number 11, Keep It Real. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, or buy the books on Amazon.com. Hope you're doing well. Is everything great in your world? Hope it is. For me, it's definitely moving right along. I can't believe it's February and... We just, just time is flying. I, I notice as I get older too that not only does it fly in life and in general, but just the cycles in academia seem to get shorter and quicker and all of those kinds of things. Shorter from the standpoint is they, they go faster. feels like we're moving through it. And it particularly feels that way when you're a coach too because you're like moving from one season to another. And it, it's it's just amazing. You live in side of the games and all the schedules that go along with it. So, yeah, it's moving pretty good. But, you know, again, that's one of the things. I think also if it's moving faster, that maybe means that I'm getting better and more efficient at doing the things that I need to do to be successful. Maybe that's the way I'm going to look at it. Maybe not just getting older and time just flying and going by and all of a sudden I'm on blink and be 10 years older or whatever. So, Hopefully, it's just that I'm getting better at my job. Let's go with that. Um, and I hope you feel the same way, no matter what world you live in, not just the teaching classroom world, but also are you a coach or are you, you know, helping your school or your school district or association or whatever you're in, um, no matter from what role we're talking about, hopefully you're getting better and better. And of course, that's in the podcast what we're always talking about. And here in this episode, we are talking about keeping it real. Uh, That is this episode. And this is one of the most important uh, things that I tell just really teachers that are new to the profession, teachers that are aging in the profession. It's what it's, it's just always on my top 10 list of things to say. Uh, And when when I'm, I'm, when I'm kind of giving that advice and trying to help people find success in the classroom and, and then myself, right? Because again, all of this stuff that we talk about, I'm, I'm just such a huge believer in. But particularly when it comes to keeping it real, and, and this is kind of a, a a wide array of topic, So meaning it's going to hit a lot of different areas of the classroom. So I just kind of want to, it's going to feel like I'm kind of bouncing around. But that's because, again, it's just sort of this overarching umbrella topic. that I think it's really important to remind ourselves. And when you say something like, keep it real. A lot of things may come to your mind and, and and they should come to your mind. And perhaps one of the things that comes to your mind is uh, when you talk about real is, is, is be genuine. And I think that's a great place to start this discussion. You know, and you don't really need me or anybody to tell you to be genuine because that wouldn't be genuine, right? Being genuine is an element that you've got to have in your personality when it comes to working with anybody, but particularly kids because kids have an X-ray ability to see right through pretty much any kind of bull crap, any kind of fakeness in the classroom. You know, kids have laser focus most of the times on being able to pick up uh, unauthentic people and unauthentic things you know, maybe a lot of that's because kids are skeptical uh, by nature in a lot of ways from the standpoint of education. But I think taking it from a more positive approach, and this is kind of where I live when when I think about this, is that just, I just think kids are 
really great on picking up things about people. I do. I think they're really observant. And so my, my as I start the conversation, I, I just want to make sure that I, I send you that reminder, though you don't have to hear it from me. But I think that being genuine and being fully invested in the classroom is a really, really, really important thing. I think you have to be plugged in 100% of the time. I think you have to be plugged into the relationships and plugged into you know, their world. And all of those things I have said countless times in other episodes. So that's why I said this is more of a reminder from this aspect. Is to be genuine. You know, you hear all the time, well, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I just don't think teachers can do that. At least not in find happiness, not finding happiness, nor in effectively teaching your kids. Because again, I think they are observant and they pick up on those things. So I think you have to go into a classroom and be genuine. But also be genuine in who you are. And I've talked about this too, you know, in some of the past episodes. I talk about owning your style and all these things that are super important. But we're talking about keeping it real. You need to be genuine with who you are. The classroom should reflect who you are. You know, in your classroom, you want to go in and pull back the curtain a little bit and let them see elements of who you are. You know, you don't want to go to some place every single day and then be somebody else or pretend to be somebody else or do all these things that don't reinforce your beliefs and your values. I think it's really important for you to be genuine, for you to be real, and in turn have the same expectations from your kids. Because if you're not being genuine and you're not creating an environment that is centered around being genuine, how could you expect your kids to be genuine and to relax? Which, of course, being genuine and trust, you know, having a a trusting relationship, those things are crucial to relationship building in general. So I think an environment of trust and just this, this genuine, authentic environment is crucial to set up any kind of learning, any kind of real learning, that is. So I just wanted to, again, give you that reminder. And then I want to remind you about kind of that other side of why it's really, really important to keep it real. Kids have to know where they are in the learning process. They need to know your real thoughts, your ability to um, connect with them. Your, you know, they have to be aware of, you know, where they are. And I think what I'm talking about more than anything, just to sum it up into one word, is feedback. They, you know, particularly in older kids, you're talking about high school or so in secondary. Kids are just a little bit more mature. They're a little bit more developed than in those primary years, obviously. And it's really important that they're partners in the learning process. And you can't be a partner in the learning process if the teacher's not being real, providing feedback, being a coach. And then kids aren't providing genuine feedback and being real. I think that's really important. And again, that goes back to what kind of environment are you as the teacher who's facilitating a process? Yes, but you're a leader of the culture. Are you creating an environment 
And are you creating tools and processes that create an environment where authentic coaching is happening? Where students can know where they are in the process. They're getting real feedback. And they're able to make adjustments. You know, if you're not being real with where a kid is, and you're not, you know, and, and the kid's not being real with you, like why are they struggling on to turn this in or why are they struggling on this particular concept? You know, if there's not real communication, it, it, there's just going to be a breakdown. And so, again, you as the teacher have to create an environment by partnering with the student in order to make sure that learning is happening and when their success is understanding why and when their failure is understanding why. I think that's all important when we talk about keeping it real. The other aspect that I think we have to think about as well when we think about keeping it real is I think as we get older particularly, and it's important really K through 12, but in secondary, we have to empower our kids. And then again, talking about the teacher from the facilitator role, Teachers are to facilitate a process, right? And of course, if you believe in this idea that kids should absolutely have to explore, kids should absolutely be given the opportunity to truly take information, essential questions, main ideas, whatever you want to call them, and run with them to see how much they can take the learning. Again, they have to be empowered to do those things, right? So you take the things I've previously said where you've got an environment where Everybody's being genuine, open and honest, providing coaching, good feedback. Well, then you've got to empower your kids by making them a part of the process. You have to keep it real. And that means you have to be a little clearer on why kids are learning what they're learning. You have to be a little clearer on explaining why you do the things that you do. And look, I'm going to tell you. Teachers hate doing that. Adults hate doing that for kids. I'm just being honest with you and you parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of times we as adults don't feel like we have to explain the rationale behind our approaches and the things that we do. But what I'm telling you is, again, kids, particularly in high school, have to trust your process. And so I think it's important to pull back the curtain a little bit and instead of sort of sneaking in your process and your justifications, though that's important sometimes too, I think being open and upfront about why you do the things that you do. I'll give you a great example. So I won't accept assignments that are completely wrinkled and destroyed and and I talked to him about this, and that may seem like tedious 1920s, 30s stuff to you. <coughs> Excuse me. Still battling that cough. But I tell them, I said, no, I'm not going to give you a zero. You're not in trouble. Just want you to understand that I expect you to have student ownership, and I expect you to have pride of what you're submitting to me. So that's why I'm going to do that, and I want you to go, and, and I want you to do that again. Or reproduce it. I'm not going to just hit them in the grade book and move on. And I explained to them, I, I want you to be a professional. 
want you to be proud of that work so I can be proud of you. So I kind of pull back the curtain and let them know what I'm thinking. I don't just hit them over the head with a handbook or rules. I let them know that this is my standard and that's why I'm setting that standard. And the same is true throughout all of my processes. You know, in a science lab, I let them know why they're learning what they're learning. I let them know the importance of it. And I think that's really important because, again, you got to be real with them. So if you think about what we've said, we've said you've got to be genuine. You've got to be real with them, with who you are. You've got to be real in your own, pro- own classroom, in your own process. It's got to be individualized to you since you're the facilitator of that process. And then we said you've got to be real in providing feedback and coaching and then set up an environment where they're real and feel comfortable getting feedback from you, but also contributing in that process, taking chances, making mistakes. They've got to feel safe in the learning. And now I've just reminded you that it's really important that you also be open and upfront about why they're doing what they're doing. What's the rationale? That doesn't mean explain yourself constantly because a lot of times building drama and surprises in the classroom and getting those aha moments, that's what we live for, right? Well, again, at the end of those things and after you achieve those things, you've got to explain to them. And and look, if you do that, that actually enhances trust. When they know that you'll communicate with them and you'll be real with them about why they're doing what they're doing, I'm telling you, it enhances the relationship and you can take it further and teach them more. And so you, you may have already detected the direction that I'm moving at this point, and that's moving to content specifically when I talk about keeping it real. Because this is the one piece that I think is really important. You know, all of this is important, but this is kind of the target for what I'm trying to tell you. Kids look for the real world. They do. Not just because they live in a world that's not just centered in that classroom, but they learn through scaffolding and through being able to connect content to the real world. You know, and you've sat through a thousand different PDs, I'm sure, that you have to connect content to the real world. You have to show relevance. And I have talked a lot about this, particularly in season one. It's really important that you are constantly connecting everything to the real world. Everything. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. It can be quadratic equations. It can be gerunds in English. Or it can be the cell membrane in biology. It does not matter. You have to be able to connect it to the real world. Otherwise, kids are going to struggle on the application side, on the ownership side. You have to be able to connect it. I will argue, and I say it all the time, that if you cannot connect your lesson to the real world, you shouldn't teach it. And before you run off or turn off the podcast or anything like that, let me tell you this. That is not a license for you to just go out 
and throw out a bunch of things from your standards and things that you're required to teach. That is not what I mean. Actually, what I'm saying to you is that it is your responsibility as a teacher for the things that you connect in the classroom or or teach in the classroom. You've got to connect them. You have to. That's your responsibility. You as the education professional, you have to be the one to do that. I always call teachers the glue that holds pieces together, right? So students can Google literally anything that comes out of our mouths and, you know, have a couple of seconds. So where's the role of the teacher? Well, the teacher is to be the glue that puts those pieces together and connects why they're learning what they're learning. And I think that's really important. I, I do. Another way to think about it is we, we're the paint that allows them to paint that beautiful picture. And we have to help them do that. That's our role. That's why teachers are never going anywhere because, you know, one, we have all those superhero roles that we have, right? You know, emergency counselors in place of parents half the times, organizers, you know, problem solvers, you know, we have all these different things. But number two is, again, we are the glue. We're the paint. And that's amazing. It's an amazing obligation. So, by the way, if, and, and I talk about this a lot, too. If you don't feel like you have a lot of value in the classroom, you don't bring a lot because of Google. That's crap. It's crap. You bring so much value because of your skill set and the role that we play in being the glue. So, I think for every lesson, and I'm not kidding, every lesson you teach, you should be intentional about connecting it to the real world. Otherwise, how would you expect, why would you expect a kid to be intrinsically motivated to learn it? You have to teach every lesson with application, no matter the subject. Again, quadratic equations, gerunds in English, cell membranes in science. You got to connect it. Where will they use it? Why is it important? Those kinds of things. What careers will it open? What You know, it just goes on and on and on. You have to connect it so they can relate. Because otherwise, you're just throwing mindless facts at them with no paint or glue. And that's hard to do, admittingly. I mean, but, but at the same time, if you believe in what I've been talking about, then you know it's crucial to do. You have, absolutely have to screen your lessons that way. You have to keep it real. You have to keep it relevant to them because no matter how much we beg, plea, and give those adult lectures, well, you're going to need this down the road. They don't listen to that. You're basically wasting oxygen. So instead, you have to connect relevance for them and then let them experience it through application and ownership. In other words, you got to let them run with it. So you teach them a skill. Give them the knowledge and then allow them to use it and apply it and own it. And so everything, you need to look through your lessons, look through your syllabus, look through all the lessons you teach. Just take your lessons for this week, Monday through Friday. And at least list one or two ways you're going to connect it to the real world for them. And you may find yourself saying the same thing on multiple days, but that's okay. That's necessary. But I would challenge you to do that. I really, really would. And, you know, and 
the last thing I really wanted to say about keeping it real, and I and maybe I've already said it, but I just like to say it this week because I'm teaching fungi this week, and the reason that's noteworthy is because um, it includes in that chapter or that unit that I'm that I'm teaching on fungi. And I love fungi. I'm a microbiologist by trade. I love studying them. But there's one thing that national standards force me to really kind of teach. And it's terrible. It's life cycles of fungi. I always joke about it. It's my, I, I always think about it as being, you know, one of the lessons that I dread for various reasons. But that also means that I spend a lot of time investing in making that lesson a lot better. And, you know, and giving them resources and opportunities to apply. But I have to teach this lesson not because I'm trying to necessarily make them experts on fungi and not just because standards tell me to. But there's real reasons in biology, and if you really want to know more, email me or something like that, and we can chat more about it. But it's about understanding the concept of how life cycles work, which is important in not only biology, but life in general, understanding how cycles work. So you're teaching all of these skills. Well, many years ago, you know, I used to just try to fire fire up this unit and get them excited and, you know, do all these cool things and... And, and, and the lesson still wasn't hitting with the students. And I realized and learned a valuable lesson while I was at it that you can dress up a crap lesson all you want, but it still is a crap lesson. And that is what I, the realization that I made many, many years ago, and that's this. I have to connect it for them, why they should learn it. And, and then bring all those other things that I that I kind of talked about earlier in this episode. And that was, I need to pull back the curtain a little bit. So I started opening the lesson by going, look, this is not my favorite topic. I'm sure you're going to hate it. I'm going to hate it. That's okay. We're going to get through this together. And that may seem like a backwards thing to you. Because you're like, oh, well, you already went all negative on the lesson. So how are you supposed to fire up that, you know, one kid that may like the topic or, you know, your class in general about doing it? Well, don't you see that that's a strategy that I utilize to put us on the same side of a topic? I explain to them why we're learning it. I explain to them that I want them to become better at understanding life cycles, that that was important in biology, but that was also important in multiple sciences, and then in just understanding the concept of cycles in general, that I didn't expect them to become fungi experts, <coughs> and that it was tough, and it wasn't particularly exciting. So if we could just do it together, we could get on to the next topic. And you know what? My kids started understanding it a lot better because they they gritted through it. They pushed through it. And they realized that we were in it together. So you see how I reinforced the relationship by keeping it real with them. Keeping it real with why I was doing what I was doing. That it wasn't fun for me or for them. But that we'd get through it together. And yeah, I still make the lesson as great as I can and dress it up. But instead of just relying on tricks... I kept it real with them, pulled back the curtain. I was genuine. 
And then all of a sudden, the kids are willing to work. Because they're like, man, he's with us on this. So there's that consensus. There's that relationship. And the kids are able to be pushed through it. And now it's not so bad. For the last several years, um, my kids are learning at a higher rate in that unit. Or on that topic in the unit. And more importantly, I don't ever have to really discuss it over and over again in class because they got it. And they commit the time to learning it and we move on to something that's more fun. So that's the lesson. Is there so many benefits to keeping it real? So many lessons. It's amazing to me when we don't focus on being ourselves. It's amazing to me when we don't allow kids to be themselves. It's amazing to me when we don't pull back the curtain and explain our rationale, explain our processes. We just expect to have control of the classroom and expect them to fall in line instead of empowering them. It's amazing to me that we don't filter every single one of the things that we teach through connecting it through the real world. It's amazing that we sometimes don't do that as teachers because that is a recipe for absolute ineffectiveness in the classroom. And that's just not going to get you anywhere. It's just not. It's not going to build relationships and it's not going to help your kids learn. That I can guarantee you. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. It was good to be back with you. Um, Remember to like, comment, and subscribe or buy the books on Amazon.com. Until next time, have a great week.